If you'll take your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy. Last week we shared with you about Paul's letter to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor. He was a novice. And he was in a position of great responsibility. He struggled internally with a lack of confidence. In spite of the fact that the Apostle Paul had all kinds of confidence in him. Paul looked at him and Paul said, this young man has what it takes. I can see it in him. That didn't get it for Timothy. It still didn't change the inside that he felt feelings of inadequacy, feelings of fear, feelings of inferiority. We could say, wait a minute, that's the Apostle Paul. He's going to write most of the New Testament. If he thinks you have it, Timothy, you got it. It didn't work for Timothy. In spite of the fact that God thought Timothy had what it took. Because God placed Timothy as this pastor of this really important church called Ephesus. In spite of that, in a really important place, in a really difficult spiritual climate... God knew Timothy, and God said, Timothy's the man for this job. In spite of that, God placing him there, that didn't do it for Timothy. Now, you would think if the Apostle Paul believed in him, and if God believed in him and had confidence in him, yet Timothy still struggled internally to believe in himself. It would have been good for him to hear what Paul wrote to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. This is from the Good News Translation. It says, Every test that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to people. But God keeps His promises. And He will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. At the time you're put to the test, He will give you strength to endure it. And so provide you with a way out. Well, we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 1 last week, but there's more in it for us to see. Let's read that again, and we're going to focus upon verse 7. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Father God, I thank you for your word. I pray that as we read it, I pray that it would come alive. I pray that the truth of your word would find a good place in our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. According to the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to Timothy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, What has God not given us? Some of you may have it today. Because of your response, I'm afraid some of you may have it. 
A spirit of what? Timidity. God has not given us, that's right. What did Paul tell Timothy? God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power. We're going to stop there. Paul tells Timothy and all of us that there's something that God has not given us. This is not something that comes from the Lord. A spirit of timidity, Paul says, that's not what God has given you. If you have that, that is not from the Lord. If evidence of that begins to come up in your life, that is not from the Lord. That's not a gift from God. That's not the way he wants you to be. And let's deal with the place this spirit originates its attacks. Where does the spirit of timidity originate its attacks? It originates its attacks in your mind, in the thought patterns, the thought patterns that steal away your courage, the thought patterns that steal away your self-confidence. They are not from God. Some of you will say, well, pastor, I'm just being realistic. I don't have a spirit of timidity. I'm just being realistic. We need to stop putting restrictions or limitations where God has not put them. There's a lot of people who are putting limitations upon themselves, limitations of what God wants to do through them, limitations of what God can do through them, not because God has put it there, but because they choose to put it there. Because they choose to believe it, they put a limitation there, and so now they have an artificial ceiling, or they have an artificial fence around them that will not allow them to go any further. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, that is not from God. God has not given you a spirit of timidity. God is not the one who put those feelings of self-doubt. God is not the one who put those feelings of inadequacy. God is not the one who put those feelings of fear or inferiority or that you're not good enough in your heart. God has not given that to you. So don't accept it. Don't let it in your life. Paul reminds Timothy that he was neglecting the gift that God had given him. There was something that God had given to Timothy. Timothy is nurturing this gift or this spirit of timidity. He's nurturing it. He's paying attention to it. He's listening to it. He's allowing it to control his life. And maybe some of you do that at times. He's tending to the wrong spirit. Can you imagine if in your garden or your flower beds, if you'd pour miracle grow on the weeds? What do we do with the weeds, hopefully? What do you do with the weeds in your flower garden or in your garden? We stamp them out. We pull them out by their roots. You don't water them and put fertilizer on them. They don't belong. Now, if you're like me, I have certain things that go in the mulch and the flower beds around the house. Because if like some people have all these different flowers that grow up each year, and when they start, they look like weeds to me. So I would have pulled them all out. But then they come out these beautiful flowers and stuff. You don't put miracle Grow on your weeds. You don't fertilize your weeds. You pull them out. They don't belong in your garden. So why do you and I nurture and care for these feelings of inadequacy? Why do we water these feelings? And why don't we pull some of these wrong things that start to come in to our minds and to our hearts? Why do we give them place? So Paul says that God has not given him that spirit of timidity. 
Now, Paul said, in, in turn, Timothy, you're neglecting the gift that God has given you. And Timothy, you need to stir it up. Stir up the gift that's within you. As a man would fan into flame the embers of a dying fire. There's effort required to stir up the gifts. But it doesn't come automatically. Because it does not come automatically does not mean it will not come. Because something is difficult does not mean it will not happen. But a lot of us, when something is difficult and doesn't come easy or doesn't come the first time, we listen to that spirit of timidity and we say, well, I guess God hasn't gifted me to do this. I guess God didn't call me to do this. I guess maybe I didn't hear from the Lord. I guess maybe I'm not really able or capable of doing it. Timothy was not an adequate or insufficient. He did not, we talked to you about this last week, he didn't need to add any other ingredient to his life. It was all there. All he had to do was stir up the gifts that were already inside of him. And whenever you and I, who are filled with God's Spirit, who has God's Spirit living and abiding in us, whenever we go around thinking, well, there's got to... I guess I, I, I got to go here and I got to find this and I got to go there and I got to find that. And no matter what you get or no matter what you do, you always still feel that feeling of inadequacy. You're believing a lie of the enemy because the Spirit of God dwells within you. Everything that you have need of is already inside of you, resident in the Holy Spirit. And what you and I need to do is stir up the gift. We need to stir up the gift that God has placed within us. We need to fan and deflame the embers that God has placed within our lives. So we know this. We know that a spirit of timidity is not from God. So if that's not from God, then what has God given me? According to the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And you'll notice that Paul didn't just address this to Timothy. He wrote the letter to Timothy. It was for all of us to read And Paul says, God has not given Timothy. He didn't say that. The scripture says, God has not given us. That us meant Timothy and Paul. And that us means Timothy, Paul, and the church at Ephesus. That us means Timothy, Paul, the church at Ephesus, and believers down through the ages. God has not given us, believers, those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, a spirit of timidity, but what has he given us? Power, love, self-discipline, power, love, sound mind. You know, so many times we can go through life and say all the things that God hasn't given us. But you know, the funny thing is, as you look throughout scripture, we find that David could have said, well, God, you didn't give me as big a sword, but he gave him a slingshot. That was all he needed. That was exactly what he needed. Remember whenever Moses came to the Lord, God says, what do you got in your hand? Well, it's a staff. Throw it to the ground. He throws it to the ground. It becomes a serpent. Huh? Remember the woman when Elijah came to her, the widow, and he says to her, what do you got in your house? She says, I ain't got nothing but a little flower. And a little oil. Oh, that's all you need. What do you have? What has God given you? Paul told Timothy, there's three things that God has given you, and I assure you of that. 
He says, God's given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and of self-discipline, or a sound mind. Now, what is power? Well, I want to tell you what power is. The power is the exact opposite of what fear tells you. Fear says, I can't. Power is ability. Power says, I can. The Greek word used here is dunamis, which is translated strength, power, ability, mighty works, miracle, might, virtue. So what has God given you? God has given you virtue. He's given you mighty works. He's given you ability. He's given you strength. What is Paul saying God has given us? From the definition of power, we can say that God has given us great strength or ability. That's what abides in you. You may not see it. You may not recognize what's under the hood. But it's there. Some of you haven't started up the engine. You're just looking at it. It's like someone who has tools and doesn't know what they're capable of doing. Don't underestimate the power of God in your life. According to this dunamis, it's the power for performing miracles. It's moral power and excellence of soul. And it goes on to say, if you look at some more of the other definitions of it, it will be the power and influence that belongs to riches and wealth. We are rich in Christ. We're rich in Christ. You and I, so many people say, well, if I had a lot of money, then I would have influence. You have God in your life. God opens doors for you that no man can open. God closes doors that no man can shut. God has a way of opening up doors and opening up opportunities and providing and working things in your life that no amount of money can buy. God can give you favor in an instant. He can put you in a position where you need to be in an instant. He can provide the resources that we need in an instant. It goes on to say, the power and resources arising from numbers. That's another one of the things that it talks about dunamis. The power and resources that arises from numbers. Do you realize this? That those who are for us are more than those who are against us. That's what the word says. And there's times in which you may feel like you're all by yourself. There may be times in which you say, God, if I just had one person to walk with me. Friends, we can't be relying upon our feelings. Remember Elijah again with the servant? They were surrounded by the armies of the enemy. And the servant comes to him and says, we're surrounded. And he's still drinking his morning coffee. He's sleeping in. The prophet was. He's kind of relaxing. The guy's all upset and worked up. And he prayed. And he said, well, you know, Lord, open up his eyes so he can see. And when God opened up the servant's eyes, he looked in all around the armies that surrounded the city on the mountains surrounding them were chariots of fire. He could see in the spiritual realm. You know, realize this, that when Satan fell from heaven, one-third, one-third of the angels fell with him. Can you imagine how many demon spirits and powers of darkness are all around us? Well, friend, they're outnumbered two to one. They are outnumbered two to one. And on top of that, they were defeated. Satan was a challenger who came against the mighty God who stood against Christ and he was defeated on the cross. So you have a challenger who's been defeated with one-third 
of the angels of heaven who are defeated as well. Coming against the all-powerful God who's the champion and twice as many spiritual powers than any power of darkness. So why is it that you and I become overwhelmed whenever we see the darkness? They're outnumbered two to one. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. When you have power, you have the ability to act. Power enables you to move. When you have power, you're not rendered immobile. Fear causes you to be immobile. Fear paralyzes you. Fear doesn't allow you to step forward. Power enables you to move forward. We're also given a spirit of love. When we have love for lost souls, and we have a love for the people of God, I get concerned for people who say that they love God, but they can't stand people. And I understand there's some days, some of you may say, Pastor, you're talking about me. I understand that there's certain days or times in our lives where we're just tired and we don't want to deal with anybody else's stuff. That's okay. That happens sometimes. But God has given us, he's placed within us a love for other people. You hear people who say they love God, but they hate the church and don't want anything to do with it. Friends, people like that are deceived. If you love God, you're going to love the things that he loves. And God loves his church. He loves the lost. This love that God has given us enables us to endure suffering and hardship and to accomplish the work of God. Love is really the opposite of selfishness. Actually, indifference is probably the opposite of love. Indifference, where you don't care and you're not concerned. Selfishness focuses upon me. It focuses upon self and it leads to fear. You're afraid of losing something. You're afraid of not getting yours. You're afraid of not looking good. But love empowers us to sacrifice for others and not be afraid. Love doesn't worry about things or having them taken away because it willingly gives. Someone needs to let that sink in their head. Love willingly gives. Love is not concerned about what it's getting. Love willingly gives. So you can't steal from love because love's going to give it to you. And whenever you and I are controlled by fear, a lot of times we're worried about how we're going to look or someone getting ahead of us. But a spirit of love enables us not to worry about that. A spirit of love allows us to push people ahead of us. A spirit of love says, no, you go first. A spirit of love says, no, let this person be exalted. No, let this person get the credit. That's what the scripture says you and I have been given. We've been given a love for lost people, a love for God, and a love for his church and for his people. The final thing that we're given, God has also given us a spirit of self-discipline. Soundness of mind. Moderation. Some versions say self-control. Have you ever noticed when you're controlled by fear, you begin to question all things, and you begin to doubt your ability to hear from God? You ever notice when things start going bad, you're in those positions where you don't know which way is up? Maybe no one's ever been there. You begin to question, you thought you heard from God. You thought you were doing the right thing. And now you begin to question everything that you've been taught and everything that you know to be true. You begin to question that. 
You begin to doubt your ability to hear from God. You doubt that you have the ability to do what God has asked you to do. You question if you have what it takes to finish the task you've been called to. Some of you think it'll be impossible for you to continue. You may at times, when you yield yourself to a spirit of fear, you may at times feel that you have no control, that you have to give in to temptation, that you have to quit, that you can't keep going on. But that is not from the Lord. What God has given you is a spirit of self-discipline. You know, you and I can speak to ourselves and we can tell ourselves what to do. You're not controlled by every thought or by every temptation or every circumstance that comes your way. It doesn't have to affect you. Why? Because God has given us a spirit of self-control. Other people don't master you. The Spirit of God lives within you. You yield yourself to Him. And He enables you to control the way that you think. He enables you. He provides discipline for you. He provides soundness of mind. He provides confidence and assurance that you can hear from God. And not only that you can hear from God, but you have the right to choose which way you respond. I tell my kids this. I'm glad they aren't here because they'd say, I don't remember you saying that, Dad. Responsibility. You know what responsibility is? That means I get to drive the car. You know, no. It means you have a choice of how you respond. You're able to choose your response. When you understand that, when a person understands that they are able to choose how they respond to any circumstance, In any situation, they then are given more rights. When they're able to handle their responses and able to understand, they're able to understand, I have the ability to choose my response. When someone has proved faithful in that, they are given more. Now you and I, you have a choice today. There is a seed that's been planted in some of your hearts. It's a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of timidity. And I want you to know, It's like those stinking weeds. You weed your garden and they try to come back again. Maybe it's the neighbors who they don't take care of the dandelions in their yard and they keep blowing over into yours. Or maybe you're the neighbor who doesn't take care of them and blow over into the neighbors. Those seeds are going to drop in your heart. Those feelings of fear, those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings that you're not capable, that you don't have enough, those feelings that say, well, what if I look bad? So what? We love you. We're going to love you whether you look good or bad. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that your wife, guys, aren't you glad that your wife loves you whether you look good or bad? Those seeds are going to try to drop in your life. You can focus upon them. And you can water them and nurture them and take care of them and fertilize and cater to them. Well, you know, I guess if it wants to come up here, I guess I've got to let it grow there. Or you can go into your garden of your mind and say, this does not belong here. Throw it away. Through your mind, those feelings of fear, feelings of adequacy, those lies from the enemy, you can go and pluck them out. And if you're going to water something, I want to tell you what I want you to water. If you're going to nurture something, this is what I want you to nurture. What God has given you. Because he says he's given you a spirit of power. That means you have ability 
That means you have strength. That means that instead of the no's, that it's a yes. Instead of the I can't, you have I can. He's given you a spirit of power. He's given you a spirit of love. That means that you're not so focused upon yourself. Love is outward. Love is looking for other people. Love is not trying to protect its own. Love does not seek its own. Love isn't worried, oh, I'll look bad. It doesn't matter. Love is concerned. Love is not wanting me first. Love is willingly put other people first. So that's the opposite of what fear does. Fear says, I'm going to lose my position. I'm not going to look good. People aren't going to think well of me. Love is exalting somebody else, putting someone else forward. And he's given you a sound mind. Those thoughts in your mind. Some of you say, well, I'm just messed up. Quit telling your stuff that. Quit saying that to yourself. I'm just not as smart as other people. Yes, you are. A lot of these people who think they're so smart, I'm telling you, they're not very smart at all. Isn't it funny? It's like you have some guy, he's just a cocky, little arrogant guy, and he can do almost anything, and he's really not talented or have any abilities. He just thinks he can, and so he does. He just doesn't know that you're not supposed to put these limits on yourself. And he's going around like he's all wonderful, and you're like, he's not even very good. You listen to those lies that say, you can't hear from God. You listen to those lies that say you don't know what you're doing. You listen to those lies that just fill your mind with you're not going to make it. You're inadequate. You're lacking. Those aren't from God. He's given you a sound mind that you can hear from God. And you do know what God says. And in spite of the circumstance, in spite of the storm that you're in, you've set your compass You've set your course towards him. And so the storms may come and rock you. He's your compass. You're following him. You fixed your eyes upon Jesus. He's given us a sound mind. Friend, you and I have everything we need. So I think it's time to go ahead and do what God has asked us to do and quit listening to the excuses and the reasons why we can't and listen to the reasons why we can. Because God has not given us a spirit of timidity. But he has given us a spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love. And he's given us a sound mind. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would look and focus our eyes upon what you have given us. A spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I pray, God, that we would pull out those seeds that try to come into our garden. That we would not nurture them and care for them, but we would pull them out, rip them out of the ground by the roots... And Lord, that we would nurture the truth of your word and nurture and stir up the gifts that you have placed within us. Be glorified in our lives, we pray. And let us be confident and go about your work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.